Well, good morning, church family, and welcome to church and to Chester Frost Park. You say, Josh, why are you here and not there? Well, hopefully that'll become clear as we walk through today's teaching. But before we get into the text today, I want to invite you to join me next Monday night, June 21st at 6.30 p.m. right there at the building for what we're hosting. It's going to be a discipleship training, a workshop where we're going to help you discover how God has gifted you, what your spiritual gifts are. This is going to be the first steps for many of us to discover how God has made us, how God wants us to use those gifts. This is going to be an incredible night. So from 6.30 to 8 p.m. next Monday night at the building, we're going to help you discover your spiritual gifts. Now, it's free to anyone, but you have to register. So go on to the uh, Sunday page right there on your smart device. Under Next Steps, click the, 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 the workshop button. Click that, submit it. We will have you signed up. Also, we have child care available. If you have kiddos and you're attending the workshop, you are welcome to bring them. We're going to have them taken care of so you are able to focus on what God is wanting to teach you. Now, with that said, we're in a teaching right now called the Holy Spirit where we're looking at the third person of the one triune God. You say, what does that even mean? All right, we believe that there is one God, but he exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we often think, okay, I know who God is because, you know, God the Father, we've, we have fathers, so many of us go, oh, yeah, I know what that means. And Jesus, the Son, hey, we know Jesus because he's just like one of us. He walked the earth and all that, so we get that. But Holy Spirit, who is this Holy Spirit? This is a very important question because before we as a church will ever see the movement of God, I believe we have to invite and welcome the presence of God in our lives. And so we're looking at who is the Holy Spirit, who is this indwelling presence that God wants to give to you and give to me so that we can be who God has called us to be. And today, as we get into this middle section of our teaching, we're right at the halfway point. Jesus is going to make an incredible statement. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready? Here's the question. Do you, do I, do we believe Jesus? Do we truly believe him? Now, I know you right now want to say, preacher, of course I believe Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I believe Jesus. I trust him. Right, right. And that's good. That's good. But now I'm asking you, do you really, really believe Jesus? Like everything he said, will you take it as concrete gospel? Because Jesus is about to make a statement, friends, that if you and I will grab it, it will shake our lives in a powerful way and it'll change everything for us. In fact, this little passage comes from John 14, 12. And when I saw this about a decade ago, it changed everything for me. And so I want us to look at it together from John chapter 14 and verse 12. It says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. I love this. Jesus starts by saying, I tell you the truth because what I'm about to tell you is going to be hard to believe. But believe me, Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth. He says, anyone, anyone, such a big, important word. In fact, this is such an important word. I looked it up in the Greek. And do you know what the word anyone means in the Greek? It means anyone, any person, any one person. God is going to offer the gift that Jesus promises here to any person. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing. What I've been doing. Are you serious, Jesus? You are the most influential person in all of human history. In fact, Jesus 
is the most influential man who ever lived. Although he did not travel more than a few hundred miles from his hometown, his name has now traveled around the world where over two billion people worship him as Savior. More books have been written about Jesus than any other person in human history. More media has been created about Jesus than any other person in all of human history. Our history itself is divided. B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domine, which is in the year of our Lord, based on Jesus. He is the single most important figure in all of human history. And he says, if we believe in him, we will do what he did. Friends, do you believe Jesus? Because he's promising something that blows our mind. Now, here's the thing. As soon as we hear this, I think a lot of us quickly get into yeah, but mode. And we assume Jesus is just using hyperbole, like, yeah, right. Jesus is just sort of overstating it to say how good what he's going to give us is. But is he? See, Scripture has to speak for itself. And if we're going to trust the Scripture, then we have to trust what Jesus actually says. Now, sometimes, I was thinking about this. Back in the 90s, there used to be these bracelets we'd all wear, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And it was a fine question, a good question, but I don't know that it was the most helpful question. And here's what I mean. Imagine Josh Diggs decided to play a little game of basketball with, oh, just some of the NBA all-star greats. And I roll up to the court, I come out there with all of my massive frame, and I'm seeing these fellas do things that no human should be able to do with a basketball. And I go, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll ask the most important question, WWJMD. You say, what is that? Well, what would Michael Jordan do? Well, that's a great question, except for the fact I'm not Michael Jordan. I can't do what Michael Jordan did. There are things he did that no human is able to do. So to simply say, what would Jesus do? It's not a real helpful question, is it, friend? In fact, it can be crushing because we go, I'm just not Jesus. I can't do what he did. Instead, maybe the more important and better question is this one. How did Jesus do what he did? How did he do it? If he says, we're going to do what he did, then I need to know how Jesus did it. Now, I think some of us, again, we get into sort of, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way that I can do what Jesus did because Jesus, well, Jesus is God. Well, let's talk about it for a moment. Yes, Jesus is God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. It's like two shoestrings, and to tie them together, they have to be the same length. Yes, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And sometimes, though, we go, well, yeah, Jesus was God, so the reason he did what he did is because he could just pull his God card. When life got hard, Jesus got the God card. When things were, uh, you know, when he's trying to show a miracle, he just pulled a God card. When he was having a hard day with other people, he just pulled a God card friends, that's not what scripture teaches. I think a lot of us think of Jesus sort of like Clark Kent and Superman. You know, the superhero stories that we grew up with. Superman, this alien from another planet, but he looks like us and he's invincible to everything except this little rock called kryptonite, which by the way is the lamest, lamest thing in the world. Just a side note there. But he is this invincible character, except he pretends to be this mild-mannered reporter named Clark Kent. Works for the Daily Planet. So you're reading the comic books. And a bank robber or this villain comes in and he shoots at Clark Kent. And all the people in the comics are going, oh no, Clark's going to die. But of course you and I know, no, he's not going to die. Clark Kent is really Superman just pretending to be like us. He is invincible and he does not face what you and I face. I think a lot of us think of Jesus that way, don't we? But see, that's not what Scripture teaches, friend. Scripture teaches us that Jesus, fully God and fully man... 
but he did not, he did not hear me now, he did not rely on or pull his God card to live life the way he lived life. In fact, this is what it says of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, a massive, massive verse in what we believe about Jesus. It says, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be, notice this word, grasped, but made himself nothing. Now these two words are important. Grasp means he did not hold on to his divinity as something he would hold on to as a right. But it says he made himself nothing. That literally means he poured himself out. What this means is that Jesus always was God, but he did not avail himself of the rights and uh, privileges of being God. But he made himself like us. In fact, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 2, it says this, Therefore, it was necessary for him, talking about Jesus, to be made in every respect just like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Here's all this means. Jesus Christ experienced life just like you. Now, before we go any further, I just need to talk to some of you. For some in this room, man, this is a tough day for you. You've had a hard week. You've had a hard month. Some of you would say, Josh, it's been a hard year or a hard decade. And you don't need a superhero who comes to save you. You need someone who can save you, but someone who knows what it's like to go through life, don't you? And here's the thing. So we say, you know, I I remember a friend, he was like, Josh, you know, I can't do what Jesus did because I'm not Jesus. Okay, you're not Jesus. But Jesus is going to empower you. Jesus looks at you and when you say, Jesus, I'm tempted. I'm not God. I can't do what you did. He goes, no, 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 no. I know what it's like. I do know what it's like. And I will help you through the temptations that you face. You say, well, you know, I'm not a virgin. I, I, I'm not, but Jesus was, but I'm not that way. Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, But I will help you do what you cannot do on your own. Jesus gives us what he and only he has so that we can do what he did. But how did he do it? How did he do it? How did Jesus do what Jesus did? I want to walk you through a series of passages, and I want you to pay attention because there's going to be a theme, a pattern, a rhythm to them. And if you will pay attention, I think you will begin to see how Jesus did what he did. So we begin in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, and I want you to see this. The very first thing it says, this angel comes to this little virgin girl, Mary, and says to Mary, Mary, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to help you conceive a child. So the first thing you need to know is that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Number two, Jesus received the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful day, perhaps, like the one I'm enjoying right now. But in Matthew chapter 3, it's also recorded in Luke's gospel, in Mark's gospel. But in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes down to the edge of the water, like the water right behind me. And he meets this man named John, John the baptizer. And he tells John, I need to be baptized, not because he was full of sin, but rather to fulfill righteousness. By the way, friends, Jesus was perfect, not just because he avoided sin, but because he also did what was right. And he tells us, if you believe in him, then you, upon believing in him, must be baptized. That is something to fulfill all righteousness, he would say. And so he goes down to the water and he's baptized. And this beautiful moment happens in the water. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, meaning he went all the way under the water, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, And he saw, notice this phrase, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on 
him. Jesus was conceived by the Spirit, and then in baptism, he received the Spirit. And friend, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. If you are not a baptized believer, you may believe in Jesus. That's great. But you can receive the Spirit of God if you will follow Jesus into the water because this beautiful moment symbolizes in Jesus' baptism the reality that the presence of God will come into your life and mine. So he was conceived by the Spirit. He received the Spirit. And then immediately after receiving the Spirit, we're told that Jesus was led by the Spirit. In Luke Gospel and Matthew as well, we're told that the Spirit of God leads Jesus out of his comfort zone into the wilderness. He not only leads but he also gives wisdom to Jesus. Jesus received wisdom from the Holy Spirit. This comes from the Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. Notice what it says in chapter 11. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, talking about Jesus, the Messiah. It is the Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of understanding, Isaiah chapter 11. And then in Matthew's gospel, Matthew confirms this in chapter 12, verse 17, when he says, this was to fulfill what? Jesus is doing, all the things he's doing, was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Jesus was given wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Just time out here. Anyone today need a little bit of wisdom? I, I got to tell you, I'm tired of paying the stupid tax of life, making dumb decisions, doing things that don't make sense. I need wisdom. Do you need wisdom? Because the promise is, Jesus says, you will do what he did. That means that if he was given supernatural wisdom by God, that is also available to you as well. Jesus was given wisdom, but he also did good by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, this man named Peter is telling the good news of Jesus to a new convert named Cornelius. And he says that Jesus went around doing good through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, it's not just that he did good, But Jesus was joyful, we're told, in the Holy Spirit. He was full of joy that the presence of the Spirit in his life empowered him to be joyful. Do you remember the fruit of the Spirit? In Galatians chapter 5, we're told that it's love, joy, peace, patience, and all these good things. And Jesus enjoyed the joy of the Holy Spirit in his life, which is an an amazing thing because he will say in his ministry that, you know, Birds have nests, foxes have holes, but he himself, the Son of Man, that's a title used for himself, the Son of Man does not have anywhere to lay his head. He had a hard life. And Isaiah chapter 53 says that Jesus was a man of sorrow. He had difficulty in his life. He didn't live an easy life. Listen, any life that ends on a cross when you've been betrayed by friends, that's a hard life. And yet Jesus somehow was able to experience joy. And I got to tell you, I want that kind of joy that is bigger and more buoyant than the waves of this life, don't you? Jesus says that's available to you. It says this in Luke 10, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Again, it's the Spirit's presence that empowered Jesus. So all these things, and then it goes on that Jesus cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 12, 28. And Jesus lived a perfect life by the Holy Spirit. This is Hebrews 9. It says, Jesus through the, notice this, eternal spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, meaning perfect to God. In other words, the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to live a perfect life. Guys, I can't get through breakfast without making a mess of my day practically. How many of us would be thrilled just to have a really, really good day, let alone a perfect life? And Jesus says, it's the power of the Spirit that comes into him. 
and changes us and fixes us. And the same spirit that empowered him, Jesus says, can empower you. And then finally, I think maybe the most important one, and if you're not listening, I want you to wake up because this is the last one. This is the most important one from Romans chapter 8. We're told that the spirit is what empowered Jesus to be raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 11. And if the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He will raise, He who raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Friends, friends, did you hear this? The same Spirit that empowered Jesus to get up out of that grave, that the power of death could not hold Him, is now the same Spirit of God living in all who believe. If you have experienced the grace of Jesus, if you've put your faith in Jesus and met Jesus in the waters of baptism, we are told like Jesus in His baptism, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit And that spirit will raise you not only from spiritual death, but one day raise you from physical death as well. Now, how did Jesus do what he did? Do you see it? Do you hear the rhythm? Do you see the pattern? Do you recognize what's going on over and over and over again? Here's the answer. Jesus did what he did because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He lived a life fully open to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He did not live with one foot in, one foot out doing his thing. He was fully engaged. Now listen, listen, I'm not going to tell you how to do this this week. I'm going to tell you about that next week. In fact, next Sunday may be the most important Sunday in our entire gatherings. But I want you to hear this. Jesus did what he did, not by saying, well, I'm God and I will do it my way. He did it by communing with the Spirit, saying yes to the Spirit, obeying the Spirit. In fact, I was thinking about a picture of this with my kids. They love uh, a little swimming pool that we have in the backyard. In fact, here's a little video of that. They were playing in it the other day, and they had the hose pipe. And they're spraying each other, having a good time, making a mess, having a ball. But there's this one moment, and I love this one moment, where my daughter is playing with the hose, and then all of a sudden, the water stops. And my wife pans over, and my son has kinked the hose pipe. And so she comes after him, just going to take him out for it. But I love this. There was nothing wrong with the water pressure was there. No. There was nothing wrong even with the hose pipe itself. No, it was working fine. What happened is the pressure and the availability of the water was only stopped because someone kinked the hose. Someone held their hand against it. Someone said no to the pressure, to the power, to the presence. See, here's the thing. Jesus lived fully present, fully empowered by the Holy Spirit because he says, I am fully open to whatever the Spirit tells me. So if the Spirit leads me even into the wilderness, I will follow. If the Spirit leads me to baptism, if I have not done that, I will follow. If the Spirit says, be joyful and gives me the moments, even in difficult times, I will choose joy. See, he opened himself up to the power and the presence of the Spirit. And he says to you and to me, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing. How? Well, if they live fully open to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that begins 
as we're told in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when a group of people said, okay, where do we begin? Where does this all start? And Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, says, I've got great news. It's as simple as turning away from your sin. That's called repentance. And he says, and be baptized, meaning be immersed in the water for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises to give you what you need to do what he did. So we're going to take 120 seconds this morning to reflect on this. And I have two questions for you this morning. They'll be on screen. First question is, have you believed Jesus in baptism? Have you believed him and said yes to him in your next step? And the second question is a bigger one, maybe in some ways, but do you believe Jesus today? Do you believe that what he promises in John 14, 12 and all the other promises he makes are truly available to you? I want you to process that. I want you to consider it because if you do, if you do, if you embrace this, it will change your marriage, it'll change your children, it'll change your school, it'll change your work, it'll change everything as we believe Jesus and live fully in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.